Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? and get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy Monday after what a snowy weekend. Have you left your apartment? Are you surviving? I actually left twice yesterday um, wow. and once on Friday night, zero times on Saturday. But good. I, I'm, I'm liking it. I've seen worse. True. It's good that it was on a Saturday when fewer people have to move around. Uh, what about you? Did you do anything exciting? Not really. I mean, my dog doesn't like the snow. Do your dogs like the snow? Um, Bruce, no. Larry, yes. Larry <laughs> likes to like stick his face all in it. So, Yeah. Uh, They just really do sound like two middle-aged Jewish brothers who just like, they're both unmarried, but they live in the city separately, but they spend all their time together. No, maybe they they are roommates. It's perfect. They live in the same building on the Upper West Side. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. That definitely has to be. I always, I mean, as if you, I was going to suggest that could absolutely be like their brand on Instagram, but neither of us have time to. I find that when it comes to content, it's always the pet's content that that falls first. Yeah. It's also just like, they don't make enough faces that, you know what I mean? Like they need totally. to do more expressions. Otherwise my theory, you're just looking at the same thing. My theory is that Morty is not like a chunky enough dachshund to be naturally amusing. Like the, the ones that go viral on TikTok, it's because they're like kind of chunky and tubby and they look really silly. But I just think Morty's like, he's too classically beautiful. Um, so we need to work on, we need to work on finding the right brand because just like silly, goofy dachshund, it's not quite, it's not quite taking. Right. It's just sort of like, how many angles can you get of their same exact facial expression? Precisely. Precisely. I sh- I need to bring on a social consultant for Morty, which should be me. <laughs> right. You would apply to be the social consultant. And, yeah. and, and I think someone would pick you based on your experience. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Morty can't afford me. Morty just can't afford me. So today, right. some of you might be maybe reluctantly listening to our podcast on Spotify. Joni Mitchell followed Neil Young in pulling her music from the platform over its coddling of Joe Rogan and his podcast. There are so many updates on this this morning. A couple people asked us over the weekend, which I'm so appreciative that people proactively reached out who don't use Apple Podcasts if there's another way they can listen. There are a number of podcast listening apps. I've always used one called Stitcher. I just love Stitcher. I've always loved the interface. And uh, I checked and we're on there. We come out the same time there. So if you're looking for us there, hopefully you, you hear this and can, and can pivot. But this is really coming to a head. So Megan and Harry are also voicing, quote, concerns about the platform's role in misinformation. Brene Brown. I, just, I put Megan and Harry one second. Uh, they have not produced. They have like a huge deal, several million dollars, and they haven't produced a single thing. That's literally what I was thinking as I was reading that. I was like, I'm not really sure. Yeah, they, they're not really like. <laughs> they're not they're like, providing much value to Spotify quite yet. <laughs> right. Like they're I feel like this is a good excuse for them. They're like, actually, we don't want to do this anymore. True. We true. have some concerns. That's very true. 
Brene Brown, have you, well, did you watch the HBO, like, um, animated thing about the, the royals that uh, Gary oh, Gennetti wrote? Yeah. Of course. Of that, course. I watched it, it like 15 it like, times. It's so yeah. funny. Isn't it a storyline that, like, they can't find work? <laughs> Or something. Yes, yes, yes. Bec- and and uh, it totally is. And Harry like tries to be. He tries to like work in the supermarket, but yeah. he ends up like giving the food away. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's like tracks. he doesn't really understand what work is. And Megan's like, "We need jobs, Harry." <laughs> it's very good. I might rewatch that this evening. So Brene so Brown, good. who's also like a huge podcaster, I'm sure she gets millions and millions of listens for the platform. Also announced she'll be pausing her Spotify hosted podcast for the time being. So yesterday, Spotify kind of reacted. They announced a plan to label all podcasts that discuss COVID-19 with some sort of advisory, um, which I guess theoretically means like Joe Rogan's podcast could have the same advisory that ours does when yeah. we speak to an expert, which is odd. Rogan also responded to the controversy in a 10-minute video posted to Instagram. He said he would do my best to make sure I've researched these topics and, quote, try harder to get people with differing opinions on his show, which, as we've mentioned, reaches an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, just slight, slightly more than us. <laughs> right. He Only also stressed five or 10 more than us. Exactly. He also stressed that he would do a better job at, quote, balancing controversial opinions with more mainstream ones. To me, I hear that and I just hear just don't feature controversial opinions that you have to counterbalance at all. The company's CEO, he also said basically, you know, we're trying to balance not censoring people with also not providing dangerous information. Well, I don't really appreciate that he, you know what I fucking hate? When people use the word like controversial or like, you know, just they'll use a word that basically means, uh, you know, not necessarily wrong. But in fact, they think controversial means unimpeachable. Like, oh, oh, you can't possibly touch controversial, especially when we're also having these conversations right. about like mouse being banned. It's like he's sort of trying to to make an equivalence. A controversial opinion is different than a wrong opinion, like bait, like that has been scientifically peer reviewed and proven mm-hmm. as wrong. I mean, whatever. I don't want to get into semantics, but there, a controversial opinion is like. I think Britney Spears should have stayed under a conservatorship. Mm-hmm. A wrong opinion is that Britney Spears' dad was uh, completely above board in the way he conducted the conservatorship. Right. So they say controversial, but what they what they're trying to wash away is the fact that actually some of these things are false and some things that were controversial. And like, don't worry, I'm not saying that. Joe Rogan is doing this, but people like desegregation was referred to as controversial at the time. So it's like somebody, I don't know, just invoking that word constantly definitely, definitely didn't help. I've heard a lot of people sort of respond to this, even like people that are are in our audience, because, you know, we have a big audience. He has a big audience. And it's not necessarily like he's like, I don't know, is he like an identified Republican or something? No, he just is controversial. Know. I'm I'm not sure. I think he sort of stands in this space where like there's almost an apolitical bend to the the, yeah. the person. Like I would put him in like a Dave Portnoy category where it's like it's not really about policies. They, it's not really yeah. about like who you vote for or candidates or policies at large. It's like they sort of glom on to the accessible piece of politics that has actually pervaded the average American, and then they take what usually aligns with the Republican culture war viewpoint on it. Mm -hmm. But because they're in the mainstream and they're 
their their audience is people who act probably are not very engaged in politics. It becomes like this nebulous right. you know, thing about their views. And it is not necessarily Joe Rogan's fault that Republican identified politicians have taken this anti-vax thing. And these two things have sort of like correlated. But I have heard a lot of people say, like, but the First Amendment, what about respecting different opinions? Number one, it's a private company. They don't have to tolerate any any type of I mean, some type of speech they probably have to tolerate and could get sued. But but they don't they don't they don't have to tolerate this. I mean, to what extent does that apply here? What's your reaction to that? I don't see how this is not like a fire in a crowded theater situation um, where, you know, there are limits on free speech. Like you said, the private company thing should, I think, more than take care of that issue. But if you let's say we aren't mm-hmm. going to go by that. Uh, I think it's like a it's a it's one of those situations where your speech is causing danger. And I think maybe like as we're as we're I imagine many of the listeners of this podcast don't actually listen to Joe Rogan and like hear some of his interviews with doctors Mm -hmm. who he disagreed with and what points he disagreed with them on. But I don't know. I think if you are dispensing medical information and arguing with a doctor who's on your show and you are the one who everybody comes to listen to. You have right. a responsibility. But they don't give a fuck. Right. I mean, there's a show <laughs> called, and he sort of stresses, he's like, I'll do better at balancing everything. I just want to have differing opinions. I mean, the New York Times has a podcast called The Argument where they bring in differing opinions and they're able to find people that are not like spouse spouting dangerous information. It's like, surely you could. It just to me, when it comes to like a global pandemic that is still killing people, there is no such thing as like a, a non-controversial anti-vaccine or vaccine questioning opinion. Like you said, I think like when you said when you said yelling fire in a crowded theater, I mean, maybe just because of the word crowded, like it's totally it, yeah. it makes perfect sense. It's like you can't yell vaccines are questionable during a global pandemic. So, I mean, I've also heard people say, you know, like, what do they want Spotify to do? What do you want Spotify to do? And I'm definitely like to me, I just think there's got to be a way where they can demonetize episodes of his that include information that contradicts widely agreed upon science. Do that for do that for everybody. I don't expect them to like throw him off the platform. I know he's making tons of money for them. They invested a hundred million and a hundred million dollars in him. But there's got to be a way to simply not allow him to make money off of the information that is harmful. Of course, I would like it to not to not be there. But just if there's if there's known science out there. I mean, this is tricky, too, because I was going to well, phrase this thing, as like, don't contradict the CDC. There. But the CDC sometimes says things that it is actually OK to question and interrogate. But the thing is, it's still even if he's not making money off of it, he's not actually suffering financially. And even if that were the goal, mm. it doesn't put the toothpaste back in the tube like people still hear the information. I also don't expect them to take him off the platform or even really make him suffer financially because like, let's just be realistic that's not going to happen um but i do think that why can't they take down certain pieces of episodes or certain like yeah certain pieces of episodes that are clearly spreading misinformation or in some cases disinformation potentially yeah i wonder if maybe that's been on the table and he has just said no and they're just they're just well, trying they, to keep him they, happy and hope it blows over. But look at all of these people that are leaving. I mean, do you think this could get to a point where they're really squeezed Spotify financially to be motivated to do something more? Only if you take off only if like Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, Drake, you know, Adele, 
Ariana Grande, if those Justin Bieber, if those people go off, plus maybe like a few more of those like old school, like Springsteen. <laughs> right. The Beatles, you know, Paul McCartney. Like, though, if those people get off, I think they would just be like, yeah, we're going to have to take down these episodes. And they will just say we're taking down these episodes. Mm-hmm. Really seems uh, not that complicated. I'm honestly surprised it hasn't gotten to the point where, because I mean, Sammy, if we spoke like that, we would no longer have advertisers. So how does Joe Rogan still have advertisers that Spotify can make money off of? Like at a certain point, are, do you think his advertisers are pulling out and they're like, fuck it? And then they're not they're not monetizing Joe Rogan anyway? I haven't heard of any advertisers that Ridiculous. are pulling out. I am, I imagine his advertisers align with him and his audience. Yeah. That's number one. <laughs> That's and number true. two, like they make, why would they? Like they're probably they achieving to, yeah. such scale through advertising with him because of how big he is. At some point, size is too big to fail. You know, you just like have- Joe Rogan is too big to fail. That's so true. And I hate to admit it. And I hate that this is the person who America has glorified, but we keep doing it over and over again. Um, it's just, there's, there's an audience there and they feel aggrieved and they feel like Joe Rogan is our savior. Um, And that's just, yeah, I think it's just a size issue. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So now we're going to address the massive Russian tank in the room. Shit is going down with Russia and Ukraine. When it comes to like geopolitics and phrases like World War III being bandied about, I tend to make like Meredith Marks and disengage. But I guess <laughs> we have like a professional obligation or whatever. Plus, we have Sammy here who's like an Eastern European oligarchy nerd and follows these developments every day for morning announcements anyway. So we're going to get very back to basics. I am literally going to ask Sammy questions about this crisis as if we are on Sesame Street, like bare bones down to the basics. So let's start. Literally Sesame Street. Russia and Ukraine are neighbors. They live on the same block. So why why aren't they friends? Um, I think it goes back to the fact that Russia, like historically, or whatever, you know, in the USSR, they want to, they don't just want to be Russia or formerly the Soviet Union, their whole thing was like taking in their Eastern European neighbors who they share like cultural, uh, you know, cultural similarities with. And that's always been, you know, the Russian leadership's goal is to get as much land 
deeper into Europe as they, an influence, of course, that comes with it, deeper into Europe as deep as they possibly can get. Okay, that makes sense. So why can't Putin share? I mean, why does he think it's okay to just gra- take people's land? I mean, it's not even like a sharing thing. It's He's not entitled to it. And he wants it. It's just, and he, um, there are specific, he's obviously taking like a step-by-step, uh, you know, a small, I don't know, strategy where he took, you know, Crimea and he wants certain other parts of Ukraine where there are a lot of Russian speakers and he's claiming that Russian speakers are oppressed, mm-hmm. Russian speaking people are oppressed under Ukraine's government. <clears throat> and he basically just wants to lay claim to more land and more regions within Eastern Europe as much as possible he'll take. Yeah. So what instigated this sort of cra- or I guess we're back to we're back to normal language. <laughs> right. <laughs> what what instigated this like crisis? Why did things pop off this time? It's not like it just started. Yeah. It it um it all I think kind of like if you want to trace the beginning of like this particular issue, I would say it goes back to during the Obama administration when Russia took Crimea. Mm-hmm. Um so it goes I think back to that and then like two-ish years later, Trump. And I mean, I don't think I need to again espouse mm-hmm. my opinions about or, you know, they're not opinions. They're in the Mueller report. Um, <laughs> I didn't come up with them. You know, established facts about what Russia was trying to do to American politics and not just American politics, also Brexit um, and mm-hmm. and just their whole goal of weakening the West, a.k.a. Western Europe and North America. And their goal is that they if they they think that if that block of countries is weaker and less allied in the actions they'll take against Russia, they're able to take over the non-NATO countries in Europe and then gives them more land, gives them more influence. It increases It also obviously comes down to money. Who's possibly the richest person in the world and he controls the upper echelons of Russian society, which is oligarchs. It's like if the people who are controlling the biggest industries like oil and gas are um, keep no one in Russia gets a lot of money unless Putin's like, you can have that. So so it's here. She's trying to increase their industry. There's also Ukraine has Ukraine's geological placement between Europe and Russia is actually very strategically advantageous if Russia were to control it for the way that they're like providing gas and right. energy to the rest of Europe. And that is a big piece of this is that they want to control that more and um, they want to run like pipelines probably through Ukraine. There's a whole, I'm not going to get down that road, but it a yeah. lot of it comes down to money from the oil, gas and energy industry. Got it. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, 
Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Are they scared of the United States? I mean, like, what's going on now? I mean, I feel like they sort of... I hear that, oh, there's like an immediate incursion. Okay, now there's some room for diplomacy. They seem like they have to be scared of us. They used to be more scared, definitely. Really? Now they're, it's like Putin's not like an average guy. Like, I don't know that you could call him a rational actor. Look, I I, I actually don't want to say that because I'm not an expert on that. But, you know, when it comes to diplomacy, like, they don't, care and Putin, I think, will take risks to just test what the U.S. will do. I think they're more scared of the U.S. if it is allied with more NATO countries. Again, Mm -hmm. that hurts their, you know, if all of the European countries are putting sanctions on them and they need Europe to make money from gas and energy, because that's like probably their biggest export partner. I would assume if they need that money, they are not, you know, they're they have less leverage if the United States and Europe are allied because of the energy and money question. And obviously, like geography. I mean, certain European countries like Germany are like completely dependent on oil and gas from Russia, which is also a barrier to to us instigating anything really intense because we know that our allies like, well, that would be a really bad situation. So it sort of seems like every now and then we get in these, these dances where we each know, like we know our, everybody knows each other's cards. We know the hands that we have, but they're just kind of like, we're not quite ready to throw them down. Like we don't know who exactly has the, the upper, the upper hand now. I mean, what happens to the U S if, if shit really goes down, if there's some sort of incursion, if Putin sends an incursion into Ukraine, that, is worth a response. So I think when I think that would be like the X factor that would make sort of everything unpredictable that happens after because once something like once that line is drawn, because that's clearly the line at which, you know, NATO countries would have to do something. And then what they do really affects how the rest of it plays out. Yeah. And it there's too many players involved to actually know how it would go down. But I think that if if Russia were to take that action, that sort of sends the entire thing into a an X factor situation where we don't know what mm-hmm. will happen next. And that's what scares me. And that's why I think people throw around like World War Three, because it's once something like that happens. It's like, oh, well, what calculations are being made then? And you just don't know. So, yeah, there's a playbook. And we always think that once you get through the playbook, it's like, OK, there's world war. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, yeah. it's it doesn't mean it doesn't definitely mean that, you know, it doesn't it's not like, oh, they'll do it. And 100 percent. We're in world totally. war three. There's ways that things can be pulled back. But you just again, it becomes a situation where you don't know. And it changes but probably hourly, but minute to yeah. minute, I'm guessing. So, 
Yeah. I'm just thinking about if Trump were president right now. Oh, my God. I mean, he, he would, would just, say the Ukrainians would Ukraine. be. Yeah. He would absolutely. say that they go ahead. It's yours. Oh, my God. Truly. And that's why Russia wanted him to be president. And that's why they wanted Brexit, so that you would have a more decentralized Europe when the UK is arguably the most pow- the most powerful country in it, you could argue, they wanted them out. I definitely feel more informed and like I have a, a stronger grasp on the information and what people mean when they mean World War III. Well, actually, what I realize I know is they don't know what they mean, but that's the point. Right. They're also like, this is also people on the news and like here, we're, we're totally. also talking about it. So mm-hmm. I think it's just people, it, there needs to, I don't know, you can't be like, there's no chance, you know? Right. So, and even if we can get a lid on this pot, like it's still going to boil over eventually. That's what that's what happens with with this tension. So today we are on our mind is the Supreme Court nomination process, which we were going to talk about today. But we super excited have Face the Nation's Margaret Brennan joining us tomorrow of the Sunday show. And she had uh, Lindsey Graham on this weekend and they had a really interesting conversation about this. So we want to get into that with her tomorrow. I'm going to put on Instagram um, our question box, see if you have any questions with her. I'm super excited. You said your mom watches her show every week, right? Yep, every week. So, I mean, this is pretty exciting. Yeah, we're thrilled. So we'll yeah. chat to her tomorrow. I really am curious about, because she's known for being like such a prepared interviewer. So I want to know what happens when you have suddenly a Republican senator on your show say like, yes, absolutely. I will wholeheartedly embrace the president's Democratic nominee. Like, I want to know what that was, what that was like and what how she pivoted and handled that, because th- that definitely surprised me. I also want to know what happens when a prepared interviewer meets, is interviewed by two very prepared interviewers. <laughs> Tune ourselves, in. Like ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Tune in to that. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.